0: today. So we are starting a new series today called At the Table. And, um, you know, obviously it's November and it's the month of Thanksgiving. And we were kind of thinking about that as as we were looking at developing this message. Um, The Table. I don't know about you guys. I was trying to, I was thinking about this earlier, like in the last couple of weeks actually, but I was trying to remember my first ever memory of a table that had significance to me, right, um, and the one I kept, I landed on was uh, the table at my grandma's house, my mom's mom, and uh, it was a, a round oak table with the claw foot feet. Yeah, and as a kid, I thought—I mean, I thought it was a huge table. I mean, I think it would be quite small now to really think about it. Um, there, they didn't have a very large house, and they didn't have a, a formal dining room. It was just there as kind of an extension of the living room. But there was the table, and as a kid, it seemed huge. And my grandma always had it decorated for whatever holiday was coming up. So there would be a, a tablecloth over it. And so as a kid, it's like that's a great place to hide and, and to have little adventures under there. And we would, I remember pretending that it would be a ship, and so we would be on there. And I know, like, if I tried to cram under there now, it would just look weird. But, but that's one of those memories that I have when I think about the table. Um, another memory I had. As an adult, uh, or a young adult at least, um, was the table at my friend's house. If you were here in July for my ordination uh, service that we had, you met Pastor Randy Faulkner, and uh, it was at the table at the Faulkner's house that I, um, where I was shown Christian love. Uh, where uh, I, we had these conversations of, of faith that were very deep. It was at that table where I first declared that I was a follower of Jesus. Um, I know many of you, as I'm telling you this, you're thinking of some of your, the tables that are important to you. Like you have those moments where the, they were really special around the table. And, and it's almost like these kind of moments where laughter and love filled you up just as much as whatever was spread out on the table for that particular meal, right? The table has this significance for us. It's a pretty common setting, actually, in the Bible as well. Um, Unless you're actually looking for it, you've probably read right through really, really significant moments throughout Scripture where the table was present. Um, Because the table is actually one of these most I, I would say important memorable places that that uh, of, of human connection that we have. what we find is that in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, the table is present. God has a way of showing up at tables. And you see it over and over and over again. In the old testament the the main the biggest table I think you would land on is, is the Passover meal. And in the New Testament, the table that you land on, which is what we're celebrating today, is the table of communion, the Last Supper table. And they're, of course, they're connected in and of themselves um, because communion was just a, a continuation of, of the Passover table. But it's throughout the Old Testament. So not just the Passover table or the, the Last Supper, the communion table, but there were some other things, and I just want to, I mean, I'm just going to mention a couple. There are many more, but it was, it was at the table, it was at a meal, when, when God actually told Abraham that he was going to be, he was going to have many ancestors. He was going to be the father of many, a great nation. It was at the table where the author of the 23rd Psalm said that that's how God was going to, to show up, and, and it would be set before you, the listener, as a place of provision from God. Your enemies wouldn't have anything to say against it. You would be blessed, you would be carried, you would be picked up at the table. In the New Testament, um, there's a couple of examples, and and by the way, we're gonna look at several New Testament uh, passages this morning, and I am fairly certain, I appreciated the prayer that Justin prayed with with the band as we were uh, beginning before the service started. Because he, he prayed something that I appreciated, because he said, even if it's the a, a very a well-known passage, a simple passage, Lord, that we would hear something from you. Because I promise you, the, the New Testament passage we're gonna look at today in regard to the table, it's not like there was a hidden passage I'm gonna like spring on you, like, hey, who knew? Like, no, you're gonna probably know these. But but my prayer is that they will have a newness to you as you read them and that you will consider them. Even in light of you thinking about the, the table and the significance in your life, that you'll look at these passages. But so in the New Testament, um, the table was the setting for some of the, these powerful, pivotal moments in the life of Jesus. Absolutely pivotal. He's at the center of feasts. He's there at parties and weddings and gatherings. He is there, and and people criticized him. They criticized his disciples for for what they ate, how much of it they ate, how much they drank. He was was criticized for how how they were showing up and participating at the table. The table is where Jesus spent time with the kind of people that many of us who watched after-school specials, anybody? Anybody? Remember those? Yeah? If you're not sure what they are, just ask someone who looks old like me. Like so but but Jesus spent time with the table, at the table with people that the after school specials warned us about. That that's what he did. The ones that you were like, oh no, stay away from them. That's who he was at the table with. It's, it's at the table where um, Jesus Confronted powerful people. He, he, where, where oppressed people were actually uplifted instead of continuing to be down low. It's where outcasts were invited. It's, it's where the self-righteous were ridiculed. And it happened around a table. And the best of all is that it was a place where those who were seeking truth, they were given a glimpse of the kingdom of God. All at the table. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew was considered one of those notorious characters, I think, that uh, that the after-school special would warn you about. He was a traitor. He was a traitor to his people. He was a, a pawn, if you will, uh, for the Roman government. Um, he was not well liked. If you've watched The Chosen, I really appreciate how they have set Matthew up in, in that. Um, I think they do a really interesting way of portraying who Matthew is, and I think they do a good job of it because he is not part of the crew he is he is he's off to the side because of the way he's chosen to set himself up Um, but but like all of us hopefully he's got redeeming qualities about him but so in Matthew 9, we, Matthew, we know this is what's going on, but he ends up writing this account. He ends up being one of the writers of the Testament. So we know something happened at the table. We know something occurred with this traitor pawn of the government. Nobody likes him. He's kind of like going, ah, for, you know, whatever with you Israelites, forget you. I'm just going to do my own thing. But he, something occurs because he ends up writing this, and this is a biographical, autobiographical account Like, this is him relaying, writing out what occurred at a table. Beginning in verse 10, Matthew 9, it says that Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests. And, you know, pause there and go, oh, that was nice of him. He's got good manners. (laughs) There's there's something that plays in here a little bit. Let me read the rest of the passage. Along with, so it's not just Matthew that says, hey, would you come have dinner with me? As if that wasn't enough of, oh no. But it says, along with many other tax collectors, or many tax collectors, other disreputable sinners. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, they don't go straight to Jesus, which is often a sign of you're not really willing to deal with the truth. He went, they went to the disciples I'm like, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Now, here's the significance of Matthew inviting them home to the table. Is that meals in the time of Jesus, meals in the time of Jesus were, they were all about hospitality. So you're going, okay, that's great, that's good. And they were often centered around family. You go, okay, well, they live together, of course. But also very close friendship, this kinship and friendship. It's kind of what, what determined who sat around your table. And we get that, right? That's, that's kind of common. We understand that. But it also meant that it tended to be rather exclusive. The table, even in the time of Jesus, was pretty exclusive. Because if it was just the people you know, if it's just the people you're related to, then, then there you have it. So to invite someone to your home to share the table was a big deal. Because it either said, we're family, or we're really close friends. Picture the cafeteria scene from Mean Girls, right? Jews would never eat with Gentiles. Not related, not friends, doesn't happen. The pious would refuse to eat with anyone who was deemed to be even remotely close to sin. It doesn't happen. You don't go near that table. The Different Jewish groups, even though they were of the same faith, the same family, they would refuse to eat together. So Pharisees and Sadducees, which we just intermix those names all the time, they would not eat together. They wouldn't. The Essenes or the Zealots would not eat together. And here's Jesus in effect pushing all the cafeteria tables together and saying like here's, here's the new table, here we are and he's, he's messing up the social code, he's messing up the religious code, he is um, violating the customs of the time. This is what's going on. As he shows up at Matthew's to share this meal. Everybody knows it's a social faux pas for Jesus to do this. Jesus knows this. He's not like, what? I had no idea. He knows. His disciples knew this. The tax collectors that were coming to eat knew that this was not normal. Um, All the the after-school special characters knew that this was not the way that this was supposed to be, which is why the Pharisees go and ask the disciples, why is Jesus eating with these scum? Verse 12 when Jesus heard this, because remember, they didn't come and ask him directly. There's a little bit of cowardice there. They didn't want to go to him directly. That's how they operated pretty much the whole backstory of, of Jesus' ministry is they were often whispering and talking to other people around him. When Jesus heard this, this question, he said, this is the well-known passage that a lot of us have heard before, but he says, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. So he just kind of is very blunt and very like, you know, why even why are you even asking me this question? That, that's basically his answer is truthful. You don't really have to dig into this. It's really not a word study necessary to understand what Jesus is saying, right? The sick people is who it, who need the doctor, and and, and so he, and then he says it says he added to verse thirteen. Now he's talking to the people who think they're too good, and they, their table is exclusive table and no one else. He says, now Jesus says to them, go and learn the meaning of this scripture. Friends, that is, a, that is an insult to these people. It is an insult for them to be told to go and learn the meaning of a scripture because they think they know it. Now go and learn the meaning of this scripture, and then the scripture that he says is, I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. We just got out of Leviticus. We we read, we ta- we were taught, we we heard about the significance and the importance of sacrifices. And now here's Jesus saying, no it's about mercy over the sacrifices. And then Jesus concludes his answer to them. This is why are you sitting at the table with these people? He says, for I have come to call those not I have come to call not those who think they are righteous. Again, that's an insult to them. But those who know they are sinners, which is also an insult to them, because how dare you call them a sinner? And so Jesus, he shuts down the questioning of, this, of the new table set up really quick. He, he shuts it down. He, he, he puts it out there. Whether they like it or not, that's what he does. He quotes the Old Testament when he says that healthy people don't need a doctor, the sick do. So he's quoting Old Testament scripture. They can't refute that. He explains the Old Testament verse when he says, I've, I've not come to call those who think they've got it together. I've come to call those who, are, who know that they're sinners. And then, and like in, in true uh, you know, teen movie fashion, since we're in that vein right now, Jesus publicly puts them in their place. This is what he does in verse 13 when he tells them to go and learn the meaning of the scriptures. It's it's that moment when when the bullies get it. It's what he does here. This is a public rebuke of their self-righteous behavior and attitude and questioning. And so those who prided themselves on their religious cliques, on on who they were uh, connected with, right, they thought that God was going to approve of them because they approved of themselves. I'm looking pretty good. Look at our table, let's look around our table. Isn't this a good table? Look at all we've done, look at all what we've accomplished. That, that's not how this is playing out. They had, it, they had it wrong. God said, I don't want your sacrifices, I want you to be merciful. I want you to be merciful people. He didn't want them to you know, tick off, check off good works he wanted their hearts to be changed the way that Matthew's heart was in the process of being changed. I mean, it was possible. I mean, Matthew was actually a, a testimony of how God wants to work in people right before their eyes, and all they could focus on was well, who's coming to the table? Who's going to be there? When God was working in Matthew right before them. Luke 24. This is right after the crucifixion of Jesus. It's a time of, of general chaos among followers of Jesus um, because their, their savior is, is no more, they think. There's confusion um, and two of Jesus' disciples are walking along a road and um, then they run into someone they don't recognize who it is, but it's the resurrected Jesus, and they don't recognize him. And they go along the road together, and they talk, and they talk about Jesus, and Jesus does some teaching, and he shares, and they talk about, well, who is this Messiah? And they, they're sharing their, all that they know of Jesus together with each other, still don't recognize that it's Jesus, and then they go and sit down to a table together because they're... they're, they're um, they're, they're saying that they believe in this Jesus, that they understand that they, they believe this, so they, they go and share a table together. Verse 30 of Luke 24, it says, As they sat down to eat, he, Jesus, he took the bread and blessed it. Well, another table experience, which we're going to see in a minute. Um, they, they'd seen this before. This was familiar to them. He took the bread and blessed it, and then he broke it and he gave it to them. I know this sounds familiar to you already. And it was then, suddenly it says their eyes were open and they recognized him. And then he was gone, but they recognized him. It was, see, on the, on the road, they, they got a message, they heard information, they shared their thoughts, but it was at the table when they got the Messiah. See, the table is significant. The table is where Jesus chose to reveal himself to his disciples, to his people. I encourage you, and I'm gonna encourage you a little bit more in a minute, but, I, but before I encourage you to invite people to sit at the table with you, I encourage you first and foremost to sit at the table with Jesus. Would you make that part of your, your time, your routine, uh, your, your daily, you know the things that we all do, a lot of coffee drinkers in here, tea drinkers. We have morning routines. Would you make sitting at the table with Jesus a part of that routine? I don't know what that looks like, you know. But maybe, maybe it's just opening up your Bible and, and reading God's Word and then sitting in silence. I, I don't know. It, it lo- looks different for all of us. But I encourage you to sit at the table with Jesus. In Matthew 26 now I know chronologically this is out of order because I just talked about the resurrected Jesus but did this on purpose because we're making our way to the table of communion. I wanted to land here because of that. See for 3 years as Jesus was doing his earthly ministry they celebrated what happened in the Old Testament at a meal, the table, the the the, the Passover meal. It had become part of what they did. And every year, those who were devout, those who were were people of God, would gather at a table. And it would be at your house or a friend's house, someone very close to you's home. And you would share and participate in the Passover meal, which was a commemoration of God rescuing them. God rescuing them from the from the chains, from the bonds of slavery in Egypt, and making giving them new life. This was in effect like the Fourth of July, Independence Day for God's people. That's what that's what the Passover was. I mean, I don't think they had fireworks or anything, and they probably didn't wear gaudy outfits. But but they were, and I don't think hot dogs were on the menu either. So, but there's that. But they had this was like their independence. Like, we have come out of this. this It's a celebration, and they had the Passover meal. And so for three years, Jesus had shared this meal with his disciples. No matter where they were or what they were doing in those three-year times, they would, they would pause and they would, they would share the Passover meal together. So the people of God are coming together at the table. They're remembering what God has done. And on the night before his crucifixion, they celebrate this meal. The night before, he knows He's going to die. And he sits at the table with his disciples and he wants to celebrate the Passover. And he infuses it though with this new meaning. Matthew 26, well known passage, uh, verses 26 through 28. It says, as they were eating, so they were participating in the meal, they were in the meal time. Jesus took some bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces. And he gave it to the disciples, saying, take this and eat it, for this is my body. So he's changed the meal. He's changing the meal. And then verse 27 says, he took the cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. And he gave it to them and he said, each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It's poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. The table is changing. They came to the table for a Passover meal and now the table has changed and, and Jesus is making it possible for this to be a new covenant. One of the world's leading New Testament scholars, N.T. Wright, he says this, when Jesus himself wanted to explain to his disciples What his forthcoming death was all about, he didn't give them a theory. He gave them a meal. He didn't give them a theory. He 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 sat down at the table with them. He he was he was real. He didn't he didn't give them something for them to go and ponder for a while. It was like, no, here it is. Broken for you. He met them at the table. And that table moment then became what you and I call communion now. And followers of Jesus have been celebrating this for a couple of thousand years now. And they've done this through perse- in times of persecution and, and plague. The communion, the table is still center and important. From, from really simple gatherings in, in first century homes first century followers' homes, to these altars of ornate cathedrals. The table is there. In underground churches, where you've got a secret knock to even get in the door, to, you know, mega churches. The table. The table of communion. Jesus meets us at the table. That's what he does. Now, to some, somewhat continue our teen movie cafeteria scenario, scenario I've painted for us, Jesus as the new kid at school. Okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking he's got on a pair of 501s. I'm just thinking. That's just that's just me. But he walks in during a busy lunchtime, right? And he doesn't desire to find a place to sit where he will be accepted. He sits where he can accept those that he sits with. That's what I love about Jesus. He looks around and invites others to come and join him. This is around the table. This is what he invites us to. New life, promise, hope. I don't desire sacrifice, I desire mercy for you to have mercy for others, for you to have a desire to to welcome those in and not exclude those out. So this is the table that you and I get to come up to, to, to sit around, if you will, today, to participate in. As the band makes their way out and we move to this time of communion, before we receive at the table of Jesus, I want you to consider this action step. Okay, here's an action step for you. Besides you spending time at the table with Jesus, you ready? There are 21 opportunities for you this week to share Jesus at the table with somebody. 21 opportunities for this coming week for you to do this. So will you invite someone? Will you be praying about this? Will you be thinking about it? Who can I invite to the table and share Jesus? I want us to take a few moments to consider those we can invite. Would you pray with me? Father, there are those people. There are, there's that, at least that person I know. I know. That we can, we can say, hey, do you want to go get breakfast? Do you want to go get lunch? Can you want to go get dinner? Do you want to go get a cup of coffee? We have them in our lives. The, you, you, they've, they're there, and, and for some, they're very close to us, and others, that maybe they're on the periphery, they're on the fringe, but there they are. That's why their name, that's why their face is in our mind right now. You've put them there, Lord. I pray that we would be, instead of being people who are like, well, I'll be willing to talk about Jesus if it comes up, we would be willing to be people who say, would you come to the table of Jesus and sit with me? Let's together sit at the table with Jesus. Doesn't mean we have all the answers, Lord. We certainly do not. But I believe just in our willingness to invite someone to sit at the table with us. With you as the focus. God, I believe you will do great things. So Lord, my prayer for our people today is that we would not forget the names that we're thinking of right now. The faces would not leave our mind. And whatever hang up or hold up we have about the invitation, Lord, we would, we would get over that for the sake of your kingdom. So Lord, I pray that we will invite, we will invite people to your table. As we continue in prayer, I'll ask those who are serving to come forward and prepare to serve you. And as they do that, that you would pray this along with me. Father, it is at the table that we are united as one in Jesus. It's at the table that Jesus was broken, but we were made whole. It's at the table that Jesus' life was lost so that ours could be found. It's at the table of Jesus that a seat was actually saved for us. Thank you, Lord. It doesn't matter who we are or where we're from or what we've done. You have invited us to your table through Jesus Christ. So, Father, at this table. I know, Lord, that we experience your power and your provision, the power of resurrection. We've been brought from death to life. We don't just remember that you have been brought from death to life. We understand that the power of the resurrection is alive in us as we declare your name. At the table, we experience the presence of your Son, Jesus Christ Thank you, God, for making a place for us. May we be people who invite and show others that you have made a place for them too. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray all these things. Amen. It was that night, it was that night at the table when Jesus took the bread. He broke it and he gave it to those gathered at the table. And he said, take, eat, this is for you. And he took the cup and he lifted it up and he said, this is my blood which has been poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Drink of it. And he said, do all this in remembrance of me. In just a moment, the... um, Servers will be ready to serve you, and the ushers will give you direction on uh, which station you can go to to receive. We do come to receive. We don't come to take. This is a a receiving moment, so we come with our hands open. And after the bread has been placed in our hands, then we can take it and dip it in the cup. What a wonderful sacrament it is that we get to participate in. In the name of Jesus. Ushers, if you'll come and give the direction to the servers and those who will be receiving.